This week's episode of the Cedar Log, we have continued audio from a speech that Dr. Goodman and Carol A. Edson gave at the 1967 NOAC. We would like to thank Dr. Serkin for sharing this audio with us. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy. And even at that, with a background that came, that motion barely carried a majority. So uh, at the close of that meeting, uh, James E. West, who was the chief scout executive, uh, said, "I'd like to uh, uh, to uh, have the members of the of the order see me at my office immediately at the close of this meeting." Uh, so uh, we went up there, and uh, here was uh, Mr. Goodman, and uh, here was Arthur Shuck, who subsequently became the chief scout executive, and uh, Mr. Bradley, who was one of the finest and uh, most beautiful spirited scout executives in the movement Baltimore Maryland and Baltimore Maryland and uh, Mr. West looked the group over he said well he said I uh, I wanted to uh, come up and uh, and ask uh, those who were uh, members whether they uh, understood what scouting was all about and and uh, and what the uh, the spirit of scouting was, but he says I, I can't ask that question of this group. He said you know, and I know that you know. And so he said the only thing I ask is what uh, Mr. Goodman uh, uh, said. Uh, don't try to push the organization of of chapters, but let it uh, rise or fall on its uh, uh, own merit. If uh, if uh, councils want it, let them organize. If they don't want it, why? Uh, uh, that's just up to them. If they want to drop a uh, chapter they have, that that is up to them. But to let the thing rise or fall on its own merits. But I think that that uh, session at the at the 1924 uh, Scott Executives Conference was probably the critical moment in the history of the order. Is that a good answer? <laughs> Back in the corner. When did um, the second lodge come into existence? Uh, let me see. Lodge number two was in Trenton, New Jersey. I think uh, I'm right in saying it was about uh, 1917, but I may be wrong there. It would be either 16 or 17. Yeah. Uh, whenever, whenever there was an executive's conference, whether it was a regional conference or a or a national conference, I, I, Erner and I were so enthusiastic about the experience that we had that we would always tell a number of other people what experience we'd had, and there always would be a few that would say, "Well, that sounds good to me. I'd like to have that." And so we had arranged a little initiation ceremony somewhere before the conference broke up and induct them into the, uh, into the order, and then they'd organize a chapter in their own camp the, uh, uh, the next year. Or in some cases, we would go, as I did, to, to uh, Mr. Shuck's camp at Reading, Pennsylvania, and, and help him organize it. Yes. But we didn't push it, as, as uh, has been said. We didn't push it. Now, way in the back, to other countries. There has uh, there has been little or no uh, use of the order, as you know, in other countries. 
uh, I think probably that was due to some antipathy on the, and misunderstanding on the part of our brother in the British Isles, in England particularly. Uh, one of the, uh, one of the uh, Latin American countries asked permission to use it, and of course our answer has been that, that whether or not they use it, there is no international organization of the Order of the Arrow. They are free to use it if they want to, or, or not to use it as they please. But uh, if they do use it, it, it will be up to them to adapt it to their own country. Now, is there anyone here from Hawaii? I don't know whether we have a delegation from Hawaii or not. Uh, I doubt it from I, what was said to me I, yesterday. I believe, I believe we don't. But uh, there was a question when... Do you have a question? Do we, we long since retired professional scouts. I retired about 15 years ago. And uh, Colonel Edson, about uh, how many years ago, Colonel? <laughs> well, I, about uh, 35 years ago. But, uh, but we have kept our identification with scouting. I've had various titles. I, I've been the National uh, Field Commissioner for many years. Uh, yes. Go ahead, go yeah. ahead. About 15. Um, that is retired from the professional service. Yeah. You had your degree in humanities from Missouri Valley College? Yes, that's right. Not humanities, no. Humanics. There is a difference. Don't call it humanities. That's an entirely different thing. Humanics is the science of human relations. And that's my degree. My doctorate from, from uh, Missouri Valley. Uh, and where is at Marshall, Missouri. Where do you retire now, Dr. Where do I retire? Where, where do you live now? Oh, where do I live? I live in two places. From, uh, from June to uh, October 1st, I, I live in Vermont, where Brotherhood Barn stands, and uh, where I keep my trophies and so on. That's really, I, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm still a citizen of the state of Vermont. But in the wintertime, we go down where it's a little warmer, you know. It gets to be 40 degrees below zero in Vermont sometimes. Bondville, B-O-N-D. The ties that bind, you know. Bondville, Vermont. And in the wintertime in uh, Penny Farms, Florida. Don't spell it with, without the second E, P-E-N-N-E-Y. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I live now in uh, Tucson, Arizona. I have a summer home in Vermont also. And do you have a degree? Or what, or I have a, uh, a master's degree in education from Teachers College, Columbia. I might say, incidentally, I'm one of uh, 22 men in the country that qualified for a 55-year pin in 1965. Good. Good. <laughs> That's 25 years pin. 55 years. 55 years pin. In other words, continuous since 1910.
Now you you select me. Uh, we have the OA handbook and your new, your new book, Mr. Goodman. Are you thinking both of you together of possibly getting together and have National Council back a book maybe on memoirs between you two? I mean, you've been talking here for what about 40 minutes now. I feel we've gotten into some things that uh, uh, you passed on to us, and we might carry some of these things along, but. If you have a set of memoirs and written in a book somewhere and you have it so that the entire nation can have them, your experiences will be preserved for us in the future, Erwin. I think this would be worth both your effort and the National Council. Well, I said many of the things that we discussed here in the way of history, the early history, are in the handbook. Yes, I, I realize that, but not these uh, smaller events about... Not the very personal matters about... Right. Uh, which, which bring a lot into the story, too. And the personal experience, uh, experiences I feel that you two have gone through has added a lot to our uh, you do. background. And I think this should be preserved in some sort of memoir between you two. Let's refer that to our secretaries. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, <clears throat> that certainly is something to think about. There is now in process uh, the development uh, under national uh, auspices of a detailed history of the movement. That's right. And both uh, Mr. Goodman and I have been asked to uh, contribute any information that we could to that. I, uh, I was telling uh, a future scout executive of a couple of, uh, of personal uh, situations uh, in the national leadership uh, in the very early days that uh, he was not acquainted with, uh, whether it is, uh, is desirable to uh, uh, put all of those in, in print uh, involves policy decisions. Yes, there are some stories that I recall that uh, better not be in print. <laughs> uh, you, you, you'll be interested in, in one yarn. This has nothing to do with, with the big things, but uh, uh, Uncle Dan Beard came into the national office one day and uh, talked to L.L. MacDonald, who was uh, then the director of camping. He says, uh, uh, Mac, I'm in trouble. What's the matter, Uncle Dan? He says, well, I used to smoke. But he said, uh, 30 years ago, when the girls started smoking, I quit. I'm no sissy. <laughs> he says, now they've started wearing pants. I don't know what to do. <laughs> well, I had an experience with Uncle Dan that you'll be interested in. At the first jamboree held in Washington in 1937, Uncle Dan was there. He was then uh, approaching 90 years of age. So he was, not, he was a feeble old man, even more so than I am at this point. And, uh, but he used to love to go to campfires. And the big talks about the pioneers, the early pioneers, Daniel Boone and Appleseed Johnny and the rest of them. So I arranged, I was the program director for the thing and for the jamboree and I arranged a, a, a series of visits at regional campfires for Uncle Dan and uh, I had gone to one of the regions where he was to appear first one night and the young leader of songs at the campfire there were about 3,000 boys there uh, said now Uncle Dan's favorite song is get along little dogie Let's sing that as he leaves us tonight, after he's made his little speech about the pioneers. Let's sing that in his honor. So it was all arranged, they practiced it, and were all ready. 
Uncle Dan appeared. He made his little talk about uh, about the pioneers, and he was about to leave us. In fact, he'd already turned his back upon the crowd, and they started in. But the song leader got mixed up in his songs. As the dear old national commissioner hobbled away, he had him sing, I'm headed for the last roundup. <laughs> How did you uh, decide upon the name Unami for your lodge? Well, oh, that's easy. That, the Unami was the name of, the, of that one tribe of the Delaware Indians that <coughs> lived in the Delaware Valley where Treasure Island existed. There were three branches to three families to the Delaware Indians. Uh, the Unami was one, the Unalatko was another, and the Minsi was the third. One had the turtle, or tortoise, one had the turkey, the wild turkey, and the other had the uh, wolf as their total. When was the first lodge flap designed and who designed it? Gosh, I don't know that. Do you know that? I the don't. first one? Lodge flap. These, these things. Oh, I can't, I can't answer that. I don't know. That's over our heads, brother. <laughs> well, <laughs> right. Okay.